Hear the word of the Lord from John chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated, sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him, because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone open the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, 
he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see. Therefore, your sin remains. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and by your spirit, that in your light we may see light. In your truth may we find freedom, and in your will may we discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. What did I do to deserve this? That's a common question we ask when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances. When bad things happen, we wonder if we are somehow responsible, if there's something that we did or failed to do that brought us to this place. Now, sometimes it is very easy to follow the chain of bad decisions that resulted in our distress. I was in this place very recently with my car stuck in the mud up to the middle of the wheels in my side yard early one morning. As a result of this calamity, I had to reschedule a meeting, my grass was torn up, and I had to call a tow truck to pull me out. What did I do to deserve this? Well, it was very clear. I have three cars in a one-lane driveway. I was the first car in line, blocked by two other cars, and rather than planning ahead the night before, rather than asking my other drivers to move cars around, Rather than finding their keys and doing it myself, I impatiently and foolishly thought I could just slip by through the grass. But I didn't realize how much it had rained the night before, and so I found myself muddy and embarrassed and late. Sometimes it is very easy to figure out why you are in the hole you are in. But sometimes it's not so easy to connect the dots. Sometimes a person will act out of love and kindness, and yet their actions are taken the wrong way, and they find themselves in conflict. Sometimes people acting very foolishly seem to get away with it for the short term. You see, the universe is not a vending machine where we put a certain amount of good deeds in the coin slot and get back a defined result, exactly what we think we deserve. That's not the Christian faith. That's a trust in karma, which is superstitious and not Christian at all. Now, of course, the scriptures tell us in Galatians 6, 7, that whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And that's true, obviously. But remember that in the process of sowing, God has charge over the soil. He has charge over the rain and the sun and the fruitfulness of the harvest. We always get back way more blessing than we deserve. And God is merciful to not often give us the punishment we deserve. So we don't live in a mechanistic universe where every transaction works in the same unstoppable, impersonal chain of cause and effect. 
In John chapter 9, the disciples ask Jesus a question that makes it sound as if they believe in something like karma. They pass by a man who is blind from birth, and they ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Here is a man suffering from blindness. Obviously, this is a great disability in the ancient world, where unless you had someone to care for you, your options were pretty limited, and many blind people like this one was a beggar. No one would choose to be a blind beggar, and so the question of the disciples is, whose fault is this? What did he do to deserve this? Someone, either he or his parents, did something to deserve this. Those are the only options they offer. It's either the man's sin or his parents. Yet Jesus points them to another possibility. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, certainly they were sinners, but this man's blindness is not a direct result of some sin that they committed. Jesus said, neither of them sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. This man was blind from birth so that one day he could be sitting on the side of the road so that he could be approached by Jesus, be healed of his blindness as a sign of the power of Messiah, in order that, for thousands of years afterward, we could all rejoice in the Savior who gives sight to the blind. The reason for this man's blindness is the reason for all things, ultimately, that the power of Jesus might be manifest and that God might be glorified. So notice that Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time on the question of causation. The purpose of Jesus is to bring light to the darkness, liberty to the captive, healing to the sick, life to the dead, to move us into the new creation. So Jesus gives right to work, healing and redeeming. And this is helpful to us. We're apt to wallow in our grief over sins we've committed. We despair over things we did in the past, and we wish that we could go back and do things differently. And, and even when we do know how things have worked themselves out, if we know that certain things led to other things, the answer is not to sit and play connect the dots with our misery, but to run to repentance, confess our sins, and receive the forgiveness of God. At creation, God spoke light and order to the chaos. And here Jesus does the same thing. He moves quickly to his new creation work. You might have picked up on all the creation language sprinkled through this account as we read it. Jesus says he is the light. That's a reference to creation. There are references to water. Twice we hear about birth. The blind man himself re refers to the creation of the world in verse 32. And then we have a little uh, creation of man scene. God made Adam from the dust of the ground and God covered his nostrils with his face and breathed his spirit into him. Here, Jesus makes a new man out of the dust and water from his face. Remember his conversation with Nicodemus when Jesus said to Nicodemus that to be born from above, to be born again, you need to be born of the water and of the spirit. So here in this creation, Jesus does something new, not just with dirt, not like Adam was created, but water as well. We have dirt and water. And then to drive it home, Jesus tells him to go wash in the pool. The man goes, he passes through the water, and he comes back seeing. This is the work that Jesus talks about in verse 4, when Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. This is the new creation work uh, that Jesus is doing to make all things new. Now, the question that comes to the surface as the reality of what just happened to this man becomes obvious is, who is really the blind man here? The Pharisees 
it's quickly revealed. The Pharisees are the ones in darkness. They cannot accept the good thing that just happened, and immediately they leap to judgment. Rather than rejoicing with those who rejoice, they go into interrogation mode. Aha, they say, Jesus did this on the Sabbath. He must be a sinner, a lawbreaker, a covenant breaker. They call witnesses. They call the man's parents who are fearful and don't want any part of this. They are intimidated by the threat of excommunication from the synagogue. They knew that if anyone confessed Jesus was the Messiah, they'd be kicked out of the synagogue. So rather than defending their son, and rather than standing with Jesus and rejoicing in this wonderful thing that has happened, they back out. They deflect. They say, if you want to know anything, you have to ask him. So the Pharisees turn to harass the formerly blind man again. They say to him, give God the glory in verse 24. Well, that's exactly what he's doing. Praising Jesus is giving God the glory. You see, the Pharisees are the ones who don't understand what it means to give God glory. They call Jesus a sinner. And then they're condescending to this man. They say to him, you were completely born in sins and you're going to teach us as if they have nothing more to learn. And then they excommunicate him. They cast him out of the synagogue. Presumably because his parents kept their mouth shut, they stay in the synagogue. But this man is thrown out, shunned from his family, barred from his community, cut off from the ceremonial and festival life of Israel. He's kicked out. And it's out there where he finds Jesus once again. He confesses his faith. He worships Jesus. And there Jesus says, I came to make the blind see and to expose those who think they see, but who are in fact blind. Now, some of the Pharisees standing around who hear this take offense. Are you saying we are blind? Jesus says, well, you said it. If you would confess your blindness, I would give you sight. But since you think you see everything, since you think you know everything, you have nothing more to learn and you don't need a teacher, you don't need a savior, your sin remains. Who is really being cast out here? Not the man who is blind. Jesus is excommunicating the Pharisees. Unless they repent, they're not going to be part of the new creation. The story arc of this blind man is a kind of exodus. He begins as a beggar, enslaved to darkness. He has no light, no ability to change his situation, just like Israel back in Egypt. God called them to come out of Egypt and pass through the waters of the Red Sea and made them a new nation. Just as Jesus comes and calls this man to pass out of his slavery to darkness and go through the water onto light. And as soon as this man comes through the waters, he finds himself in conflict. And this is a pattern we see all over scripture, isn't it? After Jesus was baptized, after Jesus comes through the waters of baptism, he goes out to the wilderness and fights the devil. After the day of Pentecost and the church passes through the waters of baptism there, they open up a new level of conflict with the temple. This man washes in Siloam and suddenly he's surrounded by opponents and critics. You go through the water, you go from darkness to light, you become a citizen of the, of the new creation and you find yourself at war with the old creation. In fact, he even has to leave his parents back on the other side. The old family stays back in the old world. But his washing in the pool and his trust in God's Messiah has transferred him over to the kingdom of light. Today's epistle reading from Ephesians 5 talked about this very thing. Paul writes there, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. You see, that's what Jesus doing, uh, was doing with these Pharisees in John 9. He's exposing them. Paul says, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Back to the question of why things work out the way that they do. And the question we ask often, what did I do to deserve this? In this chapter, we find some answers. Surely, all things happen for God's glory. But how does this glorify God? Well, sometimes we get to share in the sufferings of Jesus for God's glory. God puts us in the school of suffering to learn lessons that we can't learn any other way. In the school of suffering, we learn how to trust him. We learn how to let go of our idols and our false messiahs. We learn to repent of our sins and learn to long for righteousness. This man in John 9 suffered his whole life so that he could come to this place and this time to know Jesus and to be healed of his infirmity. Now, suffering doesn't automatically by itself perfect us. Suffering by itself can harden us. It can make us bitter and it can make us mean-spirited. If we do not express gratitude to God in the middle of hardship, if we do not cry out to him for help, if we do not cast our cares on him, but instead turn to our idols, then suffering just makes us more miserable and more hateful. However, if we suffer patiently, trusting in our good shepherd, we will become more and more conformed to the image of the one who suffered for us. James chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God puts us through the school of suffering to make us complete. And God is also glorified when his work in us brings instruction and blessing to others. At times, God puts us in the school of suffering so that we can show the world just what God is capable of and to encourage others through our patient trust, just like you and I are both encouraged today by this man's story in John 9, and we get to see the amazing power of Jesus demonstrated on him. As Americans, we tend to view hardships the way we view math problems. We could solve this if we just had the right formula. We could fix this. All we need to do is apply the right technique and we have the solution. Get to the bottom of the problem, blame whoever is responsible, and then get busy activating your solution. And then when that solution doesn't work, we blame whoever is responsible for coming up with that bad idea, and then we run to the next one. We rely on techniques that make us feel good and that we believe will solve all of our problems. There's a little bit of this in the question of the disciples. Let's get to the bottom of this, Jesus. Whose fault is this? Rather than them being open to the possibility that this is something else altogether. This is a work of God to advance his new creation to shine the light on blind men and to make an even sharper contrast between those who can truly see and those who are truly blind and do this all for his own glory, to expose the works of darkness and to shine the light for his own glory. So let me be clear. When you are suffering, it is always appropriate to repent. 
Because we are sinners, repentance is a daily discipline for us. If it's obvious that you have committed a specific sin that is directly brought on hardship, if, if, if you know exactly why you're in the hole you are in, confess it to God. Ask for forgiveness and pray that he would be merciful to you as you sort through the mess. If it's not obvious to you, well, then ask him to search your heart and ask someone else close to you. Ask, maybe I'm missing something. Did I sin in some way to bring this on? But barring any obvious answers, barring any specific sins that you may have committed that you haven't yet confessed, the way forward is to trust God through the hardship. As Paul told Timothy, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. God is putting us through the school of suffering and hardship right now. And we don't know how long this class is going to take. We don't know when we're going to get to graduate. However, we must endure it for all that it is worth and get everything we can out of it. Don't miss a lesson. Confess your sins. Put away your idols. Put on righteousness. Trust in the Lord Jesus. God has ordained all of this for our good and for his glory, that Jesus might work the works of him that sent him, and so that we can share in those works, both in the doing of those works, participating in his labors, and so that we can receive the blessing of his labors. Let's pray. O King eternal, immortal, invisible, our only wise God, our Savior, hasten the coming of your kingdom upon the earth and draw the whole world of mankind into willing obedience to your blessed reign. Overcome all the enemies of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and bring low every power that is exalted against him. Cast out all the evil things which cause wars and fightings among us and let your spirit rule the hearts of men in righteousness and love. Build the old wastes, repair the desolations of many generations, that the wilderness may rejoice, and the city be made glad with your law. Establish every work that is founded on truth and equity, and fulfill all the hopes and desires of your people through the victory of Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.